Good evening and welcome to Games with Garfield. I'm your host, Jessica Price, and I have with me tonight, Scaff Elias. Hello. And Richard Garfield. It's good to be back. <laughs> so you say uh, you're glad to be back. Glad to be back from where? Well, from not doing a podcast for a long time, but, uh, but geographically from, from France. What were you doing in France? Well, I was in France for the release of King of Tokyo, which was uh, released by Yellow, a French distributor and now publisher. It just so happens that we finished a rousing game of King of Tokyo a few minutes ago. Yeah, it's uh, not available in the States yet, uh, but I'm told within a month or two it will be. We do have an English copy, though, uh, and the French copies are on sale uh, if you want to head out there <laughs> or, or if you live there. <laughs> Yellow like the color? Um, I-E-L-L-O. Ah, interesting. Uh, which uh, I believe is pronounced yellow. So King of Tokyo is a game in which you get to play one of several monsters based, I think, on sort of classic sci-fi movies, correct? There's a term for that, kaiju. Oh, wow, I'd never heard that word, and I looked it up, and it means the genre of giant monsters attacking cities, and uh, the yellow people pointed that out to me. (laughs) You didn't just. (laughs) 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 That's definitely staying in. That's definitely staying in. Yes! Absolutely. Absolutely. So, for our you listeners... You racist... <laughs> <laughs> it's like streaming to the internet now. Oh. <laughs> Yellow is in the publisher of King of Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. Why Godzilla-style monsters? Well, that, that's a, an interesting story. I really like uh, the mechanics for Yahtzee. I think Yahtzee is a, a, a very elegant game, which I understand you haven't played. I have never played, yes, but you, you yes, should. so King of Tokyo is apparently King of the Hill meets Yahtzee. Yeah, the, the goal I was setting myself is, is I wanted to make Yahtzee but more interactive because Yahtzee is not very interactive. Uh, the only interaction in Yahtzee is how far you press your luck in order to meet the challenges which your opponents have put up for you. So I came up with this kind of generic mechanic for interaction. It felt like it was a really good game, and uh, I sat down with Scaff and uh, asked him for some ideas for uh, what themes to put on it, because at that point it was kind of a generic fantasy King of the Hill game, which I often like to develop in because it sort of leaves me free to do whatever I like. Scaff gave two ideas. He probably gave more, uh, but the ones I remember were uh, your mob bosses fighting over New York, so then it would have been King of New York, and that, that felt pretty good. That felt like what was going on in the game. And then there was also the, the idea of monsters fighting over Tokyo, and that also I liked a lot. Richard likes to have humor in a, a lot of his games, and I steered him away from that, and we went with monsters instead of the funny mob bosses. <laughs> we had a lot of humor in our game. Yeah. As I was kicking your butts. Yeah. Well, who was the first one knocked out? Uh, but wait, until no, no, I, that I don't. Point. I don't recall. Wait, wait, Richard. Do you remember who the first person knocked out was? Well, there was only one point. person knocked out. Oh, that's I right. There was only one person knocked out. Was it Cyber Bunny? It must have been. It was. No, wait. But I, you know what? I forget. I forget who was playing Cyber Bunny. Could not have been the person who was kicking so much ass. Oh. And yet, Cyber oh, and yet Bunny. it was. Cyber Bunny went up in points faster than Richard had ever seen. Cyber Bunny probably commanded the best odds 
at the 75% mark in the game. Yeah. Unfortunately, the dice hate me. The dice really do hate you. They, they did not favor you. They teased me. They did. In the beginning. I we could practically friends. hear them going, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. From my point of view, the dice loved her. That's how she got up so high. And then it was uh, strategy and the inability to oh. <laughs> control <laughs> Tokyo as though it was her own personal The inability domain. to roll threes is what you mean. So uh, anyway, the theme of uh, monsters attacking Tokyo, I-, I felt captured the King of the Hill mechanic very well. And it also plays into my, my I-, I really like games which don't take themselves too seriously and have a, a sense of humor. And uh, I f- was fortunate to find a publisher which really understood that. Uh, in, the, in the hands of the wrong publisher, this might have uh, looked much more serious than I-, I would like. Yeah, even the way your name is on the box is funny looking. My name is funny. Funny looking? You mean? He looks humorous. Yeah, okay. It's like Richard Garfield, <laughs> King of Tokyo. I mean, it makes it sound like you're the King of Tokyo. Well, that's basically. true. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. All it needs is a colon. They've got a very uh, comic look. They they really did an outstanding job Absolutely. in uh, putting this together. They, they did excellent art. Uh, is very comic. Do you mean comic as in funny or comic as in comic books? Kind of both. Uh, it looks like comic book art, and it, really it is very funny. Really, uh, uh, with Cyber Bunny is Cyber Bunny it's captures a tiny little bunny piloting a giant pink bunny mech with a <laughs> sword. Really, yeah, and and uh, um, the the others we've got a sort of a a, a Godzilla like guy and uh, a Cthulhu-like guy, and, and somebody looks like Invasion from Mars. Cthulhu uh, has like one Mars attacks. fist and one giant lobster claw. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and the only, the only problem that I have with it, because it is, it is absolutely amazing, is that their Kong character evidently has to have a bolt and a, and a mechanical eye. Kongenstein. He is Kongenstein. <laughs> uh, Mecha Kong. He, he is, but but that just sucks because it's not Kong, so because Kong rules and uh, this guy is well, some I mean, robot Cthulhu imitator. Isn't really, Cthulhu either. Yeah, well, it I mean, makes last sense I, last if I they checked, had the real Kong in there, then then you he would, would automatically win or something. Copyright infringement, but I mean, like you know, Cthulhu is actually a giant invisible whistling octopus, not you know. <laughs> uh, well, it's made visible here for us. Yeah. Right. So actually, I want to talk about uh, so the the King of the Hill mechanics. To me, the most interesting thing about King of Tokyo is the limitation of the politics in the game. Hang on. There yes. were tons of politics. There were mind games. I remember begging you at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Really? Yeah. There was less less than you think. Uh, there's less than a lot of games. For instance, games where you can freely attack each other are very political. But here you never chose who you would attack. Oh, you can only you, attack the guy on the hill. You chose to be in Tokyo. Right. So you the, the rules of the game are that, that if you do attacks, you attack the person in Tokyo. That's, so you, so if, if, if Scaf's not in Tokyo and I'm not in Tokyo... I'm not attacking Yes, Scaff. but the fact There's that no you guys choice. waited so long to start worrying about Javier when he was basically in the same position, well, that, I was, that was mind games. The pr- the, no, the problem was we couldn't do anything about Javier because he wasn't in Tokyo. Right. Cyber Bunny was. You were the one that decided not to give up Tokyo. And I was a benevolent queen. To Javier when Javier was attacking you, turn after turn after turn. Well, that would have been... Yes, that would have been yeah smart. Yeah, and so if you gave Tokyo to him, then we could have attacked him, but we weren't able to because you kept Tokyo because you wanted to be the king. I think you were queen. actually just jealous of my pink fabulousness. 
You were fabulous. Uh, but, 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 but it is interesting. There, there is, you can interact with people specifically. Um, there are several cards that let you do that. But in general, it's, uh, it's limited. It's just constrained. It's constrained in a nice way where you have some ability to affect people individually. You have some ability to, uh, interrupt, uh, personal strategies, but not as much as freeform. And that makes it, um, Sort of a lot less uh, about the pure politics. And, I don't know. Uh, I mean, there a was lot a lot more of, about the general game state. Well, you can only attack one particular person unless you're the king, in which case your attacks do damage to everybody who's not you. Um, right, which again, you can't differentiate. Uh, I, I, I should I should point out here the, the exact mechanics of the game are: when you do attacks, you attack Tokyo. They can give up Tokyo if they want, and then you have to take Tokyo. When you're in Tokyo, you attack everybody else. And that's uh, all the uh, base level mechanics and the uh, interaction in the game. Right. But I would say it still felt like there were a lot of politics. You know, we're, we were all talking about what people should do as they're re That's their true. Dice. You just couldn't do anything about it. That's true. Right. Like, like it, it certainly could have been that, uh, that what I wanted to do was to kill Hob because I agreed with you. He was very. He was wasn't the dark threat. horse. But, but we couldn't do anything about him because you were the one in Tokyo. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there are cards that let you interact directly with people. Yeah, absolutely. Like, but there's no cards which say choose somebody to do two damage to. There sure. are cards which do two damage to everybody, which may affect some people more than others, or heal everybody. Right, but there are cards like the one that Scaff had that could force somebody to re-roll a die, and you choose who you use it on. Well, you, right, he could, he could use it on everybody, though. I did, and, and did use it on and everyone. Right, it was one person a turn, so. Yeah, and, and so that, that's, that's something which I really look for in games. I, I tend not to... Uh, go for heavily political games, which I'm. I love heavily political games. I, I, I'm I'm very good because at you can bamboozle games. people. Yes, because uh, I've got a near mystical ability to appear to be in second place. <laughs> um, but uh, isn't that true, Scaff? Yeah, to all except a chosen few. <laughs> now, but uh, who are the Cassandras, the Criers? But uh, warning of the impending doom at the hands of Richard Garfield. But no one will listen to us. I don't like attacking, Richard. It makes me feel guilty. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you've, you've brought up every bad game experience I've had in the last 20 years. <laughs> so, but, but despite the fact that I'm good at political games, I, I tend to go against them. And the reason is, is just because one political game is often like another. That's because true. it's not so much about playing the game as playing the people you're with. Right. But, I mean, really, there are very few games where you aren't playing the people you're with. I mean, there are very few multiplayer... I, I will say the main reason I think Richard doesn't like political games is because, for the same reason, I don't enjoy playing a lot of tic-tac-toe. It bores me. Those games <laughs> bore him. He has solved... You are a very straightforward person. He has Steph. solved the political problem. <laughs> uh, no, but, but, but take poker, for example. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to pick on somebody in poker. Right, but poker is very political in that... You are trying to read what the other person is doing and influence them. That's, that's not, not political. Political politics. Yeah. Our definition of politics is is that uh, you can pick two people and favor one and hurt the other. Oh, okay. right. I was viewing it more broadly as mind games. Oh no, integrated. I love mind games. Yeah, I love bluffing and uh, and hidden information. Those those top my list. So I'm talking in particular, uh, like a card which says do two damage to a player of your choice. That's a political decision. Do yes. I do it to you? A, a, a surefire sign that there's politics in your game, by our definition of politics, is if 
people whine, don't do that, I'm in last place. That's politics. So basically, to put it less in terms of behavior and more in terms of mechanics, anytime you have choice in whom you hurt... That's right. Uh, effect, you should say effect rather than or, hurt. But yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Whom you hurt or When you, you have uh, the ability to differentiate between uh, two different players. Right. Uh, but for, because sometimes I can play a card which will help everybody. So who do I help? So it could be hurt or help. It's just effect. And, and some games can be very interactive but not very political like poker. Um, and some games like Yahtzee are just not very interactive, and so they're not political for that reason. A lot of the Euro games are often uh, not... They're, they're interactive in a very indirect way. So multiplayer when you, solitaire, almost. Well, not, and, 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 well, there's multiplayer solitaire at one extreme, but then there's also this sort of uh, like Puerto Rico, which is like, uh, um, I like to call that sort of passive-aggressive interaction where, and I'm sure you've played a bunch of games like this, where, where I make decisions which will affect you because if I do this, then you can't do that and you have to do this, but it's a very indirect uh, interaction. For that matter, Dominion is almost like the original Dominion. There are a few cards that are directly interactive where you can attack other players, but for the most part... That goes, I think, in the multiplayer solitaire. Yeah, uh, the Dominion is, is, is at the low end of sort of player interaction. Which, uh, again, I don't mind, you know, I don't, uh, uh, games with politics, I, I think they're fine for a lot of people. Uh, and games with low interaction are fine, too. Like, I, as I said, I began out saying I really admire Yahtzee. I do. It's a very low interaction game, though. So uh, political games have this thing where, um, for a lot of playgroups, they're really great. Politics does great things in games. Uh, namely, um, it, it's a, sort of a great... It's, it's very hard to fall behind in a political game because people will pick on the winner, help the loser, etc. And so, you know, you're sitting around for a party game, and, and it it's actually... Surprising these these games with a lot of politics in them just happen to always turn out to be close and fun and there's a lot of interaction between the players and that's all great. The reason why sort of I personally don't like them is because of this thing that Richard mentioned earlier, which is they do tend after a while to um, kind of be very similar to each other, where the political interaction is the dominant uh, feature of it. And the individual mechanics that are going on, the thing that makes this game unique, are a lot less important. And as soon as you resolve what those mechanics mean and you boil it down to just the political interaction, it's the same as every other type of those games. I was going to say, when I think about the games with a lot of politics in them that I've really enjoyed, it tends to be stuff where the politics are the main feature and not, you know, one of many. Like, I love Werewolf. But when I think of, like, board games that are really po political, I tend to enjoy those less. I almost feel like the politics works best when it's, you know, the primary mechanic. And But it's funny that you mention it being party games, because most of the games that are highly political that I think of as being party games are games like Werewolf. Where well, <laughs> Werewolf in particular uh, is, is sort of an interesting case. Werewolf feels like it has a lot of politics in it, but uh, by our definition, it actually has uh, zero politics in it. And the reason is because, <laughs> sorry, you'll have Insert to take a quizzical <laughs> look. You're if, I wish you all could see her face. Other players mm. to choose. Yeah, but you're not. But, you, but here's the problem: in in Werewolf, uh, there's only two sides, and so you actually don't have the ability to affect one team versus another. You're only affecting your team or the other team. So, uh, so there are apparent politics in Werewolf because people don't like to be eliminated first. 
But uh, when you play the standard way, which is you win or lose whether or not you were killed, it's just whether your side wins or not, uh, it there really there there really are sort of by any kind of technical definition, you know, there's there's really not politics, uh, at least sort of how we've defined it. And the interesting part about werewolf is people misplay werewolf all the time because they think of it as being a political game. They think they don't want to die first. They don't want to self-sacrifice. It's it's very difficult because of the roles they've constructed for themselves to actually realize that uh, all that matters is whether their team wins or not. I suppose that makes sense if when you're explaining the game, you posit that when you're out of the game, you're still part of a team that can win or lose and not when you're out, you yeah, lost. Yeah, we, we try to emphasize that. Always, because but you're—I mean—you're absolutely right. Uh, what goes on in Werewolf? There's there's no way you can't really call that politics. There's politics going on, but by our definition, what we're what we're interested in games, the actual effect, you can't really have politics in a two-sided game because when we said you differentially affect one player versus mm-hmm. another. What we really mean there is one side versus another, and if there's only two sides, you can't. Well, right, but it's interesting in that that's your interpretation of how the game works, that you're on a team, and even if you die, if your team wins, you win. Yeah. But if that's not the case, then it's going yeah, to be very I mean, political. It, it, that's almost right. every Absolutely. time I've played it, it's like, well, you die, and then you're out. Oh, so, so in your groups, uh, when you got eliminated, you lost? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that, that, that's that's definitely political. That's the right. That absolutely, because there's not two sides in that. Game, but, but even if that's not the case, it's uh, it's still reasonable to be confused by that because I'm negotiating with other people and people are doing witch hunts. I mean, how can that not be political? Well, and I mean, if you think about it, yes, it's easy to take the long view of I don't care whether I survive so long as my team wins. But considering that the way that the game is set up, the uh, story put with it, the skin put on it is you're hanging a villager every day. You know, I think it's very hard for, just like if you play lifeboats, it's hard not to think of when one of your players gets thrown out of the boat that you have come that much closer to losing because you've lost that player, even though in lifeboats you can get down to a minimum number of players and still actually win, even if you're down early. Uh I guess it's hard when you have that when part of the story is death, it's hard not to view that. It's as true. Losing. It, I mean, it is, and that's that's why we have to emphasize that uh, that your goal as a townsfolk is to have the werewolves die, even if you die in the process. But uh, it's a, it's. A, I mean, that 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 can be a lot for people to swallow. It's a leap. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to King of Tokyo. So, what looks like a lot of politics is, by your definition of politics, not. Actually, right. It's, it's difficult to differentially uh, affect people. People will say, okay, well, we've all got to pile on that person. But the thing is that if you pile on them, you, that is, you all try to attack them, they can just leave Tokyo and then you can't attack them anymore. And so uh, uh, people can really remove themselves from the interactive zone, so to speak, easily. And, and that's actually what makes the game interesting is because uh, it, you will get to a point where people say, we all need to pile on this person and you will do your best to do that. And, believe me, I, I remember. <laughs> and uh, and then what happens is you can affect them a little. Mm-hmm. So uh, so it's really nice in that way. In that uh, you're not it's not it's not a strict race game where there's no interaction, but um, but there's enough limitations on how you affect different people that uh, that that there's uh, that it doesn't just boil down to the politics. There there is a lot more about the uh, actual mechanics of the game that help differentiate it from, uh, say, more political games, where it's just a matter of deciding who to pick on. 
Well, and so one of the places where the mechanics get a little more complex is in the cards that you can buy, which give your monster particular powers, apparently even extra heads, although we didn't yeah. see that in our game. Yeah. So what was the philosophy behind what powers you chose to put out there with the cards? Yeah, that, that's, that's a really good question, because um, when I decided to switch the game to a King of Tokyo game from a King of the Hill generic game, uh, the second part of that, which I, I think is really important, when you've got a generic game and you're trying to put flavor on it, oftentimes you'll come up with a flavor and you'll put that on, a motif, and then the mechanics may support it, but they also, they may not. I mean, it, it, it may not, it's not going to be a perfect fit because that's not what you were thinking. So once we came up with the King of Tokyo, we also sat down and we brainstormed what sort of cards do we want to see in this? Because, of course, when I did this, we didn't, I didn't have wings, but you got to have some monsters with wings. And so we, we thought, okay, well, we need, we need also, we need the army. Well, what, what's an army card? Uh, we need tanks. We need jet fighters. We need jets. Because Gamera has friend jets. of children, right. friend of children. And, um, the the cards themselves got had to get redesigned based on the flavor, and that and and so first the mechanics suggested the flavor, and then the flavor suggested uh, a lot of redesign to the game. And it's interesting because when we first started setting it up, and I was looking at my character and my little character Matt, I was surprised because pretty much every other game. I've played where you pick a character and you get a little character mat. That character has unique powers or unique attributes of some sort. And here, all the characters are, or they start out identical, but you basically build your character with these cards that give them powers. Right. And that's, uh, so for the last uh, 20 years or so, I've been playing games uh, with uh, what, what we call Garfield Surprise. And uh, what Garfield Surprise means is is in any card game you might play, you take your deck and you throw out some of the cards. Let's say a regular 52-card deck or double deck, and uh, you throw out some of the cards. And the interesting thing there is uh, it makes card counting hard, say impossible, but every game is different then. And there's a different uh, quality, and the end game uh, is is not necessarily the same. And that's actually a lot of what's going on in King of Tokyo. You, you have this massive deck of cards with lots of different powers. And you only see a few of them every game. And if you play King of Tokyo once, you will be... Uh, the first question you'll ask is, why don't I get to see more of those cards? And you play it twice, and you'll probably still ask that question. And you play it three times, and then you begin to understand, wow, each of those games played out a lot differently because I'm only seeing 10 of the... How many cards are there? 50, 60, something like that? Between 50 and 60, yeah. And, uh, and then you keep getting a different mix of, say, 10 or so every time you play. That's really interesting. That keeps every game different. Uh, your strategy changes a lot. And uh, so, yeah, that's one of the that's one of the cool parts about the game, as as far as the cards go. So in a way, it's almost like a randomized Dominion, where instead of I know some people pick their Dominion cards randomly, but in this case, I mean, I understand it's not completely. It's actually a lot like Dominion in that regard. Yeah, it's certainly one of the th- things in Dominion I admire the most I, I, is not the deck building; it's the fact that you flip up. 10 cards or you choose 10 cards and that gives you a, a unique game. And so in that sense, it's similar uh, that there's only going to be 15 cards on top of this deck and you're only going to get through 15 and so that's your game. Yeah, if, if Dominion were 
if Dominion had 10 cards and that's all it had, it would not be game of the year. I mean, and people wouldn't play it very much. So, uh, so it, it did it right in King of Tokyo, I think, you know. So how many cards on average, you think it's about 15 that people go through on an average game? Um, did we go through 15? I think for four people, no, we didn't go through 15. I think for four people, I think eight cards. Okay. Ten cards. Somewhere there. So it's, it's an average of two, two or three cards per person. Some people won't go at any, some people will get five. Um, one of the things you pointed out was, uh, you mentioned was a very common reaction is they look at these, uh, beautiful pieces that yellow, have put, uh, that those yellow people have put together, um, which, uh, and, and they expect them to be different. I mean, Cyber Bunny should be different than, uh, the king. Um, and, and, uh, many of the people who playtested the game sort of suggested that and, and it just felt like, uh, like that was adding too many rules to the game. Uh, that's something I expect for the expansion. Uh, once people have got the basic mechanics down, I think, uh, starting from a different place will make a lot of sense. But, uh, when people are first experiencing the game, I think, uh, beginning from the same place is probably better. So one of the things that was a little surprising to me is, you roll these six dice, and you have to choose between victory points, between attacking, between healing, and between energy, or some you know combination of those. And most of the games I've played, the currency is something that you get every turn, or you know, I mean, like every turn you get to well, the equivalent here of energy. Why did you decide to make it a random factor? Did you just want to force that choice? or I was building from this uh, uh, Yahtzee mechanic. So so I began with you roll a bunch of dice, and you can re-roll, and you can re-roll, and then you're stuck with what you got. So the real question there was, uh, was what do I want people striving to get? And, and I hit this, this, uh, this place, which I really like, which is the, the victory points, the ones, twos, and threes, you need three of to make them work. If you don't get three threes or three twos or three ones, you've just wasted your time. So in a way, but, they're the most expensive. Yeah, that's directly advancing your way towards victory, which is the goal of the game is to, uh, is to get 20 victory points or to uh, eliminate all the other monsters or... Eliminate the monsters that have a lot of victory points, and then get twenty victory points yourself. Um, but then, uh, the way the ones, twos, and threes worked uh, uh, versus the attacks, heals, and energy, uh, I really liked. Where the attacks, heals, and energies all trigger independently, like two energy, you get two energy. It's very simple, um, which make means that there's this this. A, a very different feel. Energy is something that's kind of easy to get because you can save some of it and re-roll the rest, whereas twos and threes, uh, you have to work a little harder to get. Yeah, the en- the energy almost felt like a bonus, which is interesting because in most games where there are, is currency where you don't necessarily get it every turn, and then one of the games we talked about, Dice Town here, there's sort of a starvation mechanic in play where... You know, if you don't devote time and energy to getting... Right, there there really are three things in the game. You know, the one is the victory points, the other is the damage uh, to knock other people out, and the third is the energy, the currency. And the cool part about King of Tokyo is, y- if you play it enough, you'll play plenty of games where it's a race in victory points, and you'll play plenty of games where it's a race to knock each other out, and you'll play plenty of games where you've got to switch that strategy of what's most valuable once or twice during the course of the game. And then, of course, energy is sitting there in this interesting place where it depends on what cards are on the table. But energy, by the way, in the game is the currency that 
you use to buy these cards. And sometimes the cards will aid victory points. Sometimes they'll aid in uh, damage, and um, and 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 so you can play it either way. Yeah, it was interesting to me having been burned in a lot of games that do have that that where you don't automatically get currency every turn, and you you know you end up not really being able to do anything because you have no money. Um, I was worried about that at the beginning of the game because energy was not something I was going for, and you were building up this massive bank of it but it actually and we almost, both lost and you and i both lost right. well, <laughs> yeah and the energy actually almost felt optional sure as, as are actually doesn't. as are the victory points as is the damage you you know you play this game enough and it'll be different every time if you roll on your opening roll and in, in you the first time turn you're in tokyo and you get you know, six damage and you're destroying people, that's going to set the character of the game. And if you roll a lot of victory points and you start racing ahead like Cyber Bunny did, that'll set the tone of the game. And and it depends on what the cards out are, are out there. Maybe you want to go for energy, maybe you don't because they're bad buys. And so every game is different, which is uh, which makes it really cool. Although it's easier to see how, I mean, you have two dials on your mat that lead to victory or to losing, right? You have the victory points and you have your health and victory points go up, your health goes down over the course of the game. I mean, you can make your health go up, but the energy is interesting because, you know, it's not visibly tied to either of those two things that will either win or lose the game for you. But, you know, toward the end of the game, when I was at 17 points, you played a 20, um, and, you know, I'm looking at these cards that could have won the game for me. Suddenly, yeah, that now, mechanic that Now you wish optional, you had that energy. Yeah, started seeming a lot more vital. I, I, I want to give a call out to, I mean, Yellow for, uh, I've already said they did a great job, but uh, I think uh, I've never worked with a publisher that's done a better job. Wizards was great. I, I described what magic was. They took my vision, and they did an excellent job with it. But... Yellow actually not only did what I was interested in, but they added to it in really pretty significant ways. Uh, I've, we've already mentioned that these they've, they've they've came out with these great comic characters. Like uh, uh, we never said to them Cyber Bunny. They came up with that, oh, and wow. it worked perfectly. Um, but additionally, uh, they they actually came up with uh, some some component ideas which really added to the game. Uh, when when we were my playtest version, the, uh, there's a card which is called the Tokyo card, and when you're in Tokyo, you get that card. So what they did was they made so there's a mat, uh, a, a very small board which has only one space in it, Tokyo. There's also Tokyo Bay if you're playing with five or six people, but, but pretty much there's only one space. I've taken that gout and people have looked at it and said, ooh, I can tell this is going to be a tactical game because the <laughs> board has one space on it. Um, <laughs> but then you take these wonderful miniatures they've made, and when you're in Tokyo, you put it in the middle there. right? You've got a, a, a life counter and a victory point counter, which corresponds to that miniature, and, and it all ties together really well. Like, uh, uh, like in my version, there was no reason for everybody to be a distinct monster, uh, but now we've got this, this focal point in the middle, and you put your miniature there. Yeah, there's something very fun and very visceral about being able to plunk down your monster on that board. Yeah, it's, it's no, very they, they, uh, I, I was really impressed with them. I was asked, in fact, in France by uh, a number of people, why did you go with such a small publisher? Uh, because Yellow uh, distributes a lot of stuff, but they haven't published much. And Well, the real answer is because I'm really lazy. Um, <laughs> I, 
I come up with these games and and uh, and I don't spend any energy pitching them because I hate selling games. Uh, and sometimes people are interested in, sometimes they aren't. Uh, it doesn't really bother me because usually the games I make, uh, I've. I get my pleasure playing with my friends and family, and then when I meet with publishers, I give I show them what I've got, and they may may or may not respond to it. Uh, so I sort of randomly sent it to Yellow because they were interested in doing some work with me, and they really understood it. Some other publishers I had shown it, shown the game to, kind of felt like it wasn't, uh, it didn't feel like a monster game, but uh, but but Yellow saw Where saw it go? for what it could be and made it feel like a monster game. It's awesome. I hear the premium version coming out this Christmas time actually has suits. We dress <laughs> up as a monster. Is that correct? I mean, that's a rumor. There's I mean, I've heard. Suit-mation. I read that on the internet. Uh, that, 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 I'm sure it's true. Then dressing up, yeah, yeah. and uh, and you get a little cardboard copy of Tokyo to stomp <laughs> on. So, in addition to the uh, things that Yellow brought to it as far as the fiction um were there any other surprises you know you mentioned that the games you design you enjoy playing with your friends and family but are your friends and family a representative test group uh yeah actually oh that's cool <laughs> um no i mean i mean i i choose but my my family is everybody's family R- richard chooses his friends on the basis of trying to keep a balance of various <laughs> sorts of psychographics and demographics uh, uh, to play with sure, it's, it's actually not me. far from the truth um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I invite people every every week to play games, and I, I intentionally invite uh, often very serious players and often very casual players. Right, it's because I enjoy it all. Invite, do you invite you there? You're an American players? Indian female between the ages of ten and thirteen. Do I invite? Would you like to be my friend? Stupid players? Well, I mean, no. Like in a situation with people who shout. I don't I mean, have any stupid fo- uh, uh, people. Don't stupid, stupid people, people don't, don't play, play my games. games. That's okay, right. that's good. I mean, there's there's a time <laughs> and, when and. <laughs> And 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 that's a clever lie on Richard's part, so that none of his friends have to think. Oh, wait, maybe I'm I, stupid. <laughs> Just let's say the IQ of Richard's friends follows a nice bell curve that happens to match the game playing population of the United States. I just I just remember a particular play test with children in which somebody was like, "Yeah, we're fine," and then somebody else was like, "But we haven't." tested this with any stupid kids like all the kids have been really smart we can't really tell whether this game is going to sell i design games for myself um uh i i i do design games for uh markets also and for demographics but particularly with paper games which uh, tend to be in general they're really bad business Uh, (laughs) and so i design them for myself and my 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 tastes tend to be very broad. Uh, I want to play a game that I can play with my parents or my kids uh, or or my stupid friends, um, <laughs> as well as my smart I'm friends. I'm so the, the wonderful- <laughs> <laughs> No, he was looking at me. The, but the wonderful thing about games is that, is that you can find games. You can make. You don't have to pick your games for that. Poker can be played with any group, uh, young, old, stupid, smart, uh Analytic, not it's just it's just a fantastic game, and as long uh, as you have money, right? <laughs> <laughs> not the poor though, not the um, poor, not the poor. Everybody um, else, stupid rich people. Oh, you can be you can be as dumb as you want and play poker with me. I don't. That's fine with me. All you care I don't about care. is whether you have money. Like I'm like really, yeah, it's no problem. Well, it it is interesting just in how different the game can become based on who you're playing with. Um, I just over lunch this week played a game called Yomi with one of my friends at work and 
he was pointing out to me that the game had been massively different with each person he played it with because he played it with some people who were basically button mashers, right? Like, Yomi is a fighting game, sort of like Street Fighter, but it's a card game. Yeah, it's actually by the uh, same person who does Puzzle Strike. He, he does not put his name on the front. Good for him. What do you mean? That's a... <laughs> <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> Modesty is such a becoming trait. It, it is, but the thing is that... Uh, I mean, it's, it's in my modesty that I truly reach perfection. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually think that, that the game designers should, should get their names on boxes, and part of the reason there is because I want them not only to take credit for the game, but to take responsibility for it. <laughs> like, like, yeah, uh, no. like, when you read a book... And you don't like that book, you avoid the author because the author's name is so prominent and oh, so yes. important to the Hello, game. Hello, Dan Brown. And <laughs> and and uh, and with games, it's it's often so hidden. It's it's really bad. Yeah, it is. Oftentimes, games will be such a group effort that it's really hard to give one person credit right. or two people. But when it isn't, I really think it's uh, that that it should be promoted. Yeah. David Serling. Yeah, yeah, that's who it is. And I, I've played Yomi. I haven't played it a lot, but uh, yeah, I was really impressed by the Yomi design also. Uh, I hope to do a, a, a glimpse on that also. Very cool. Um, getting back to what I was saying about Yomi, um, he also said that he'd played with people. Like when I played with him, it was very much a mind game. It was very much, you know, me trying to figure out, all right, if I were him and I knew me like he knows me, what would I think I'm about to do? And there are, you know, layers of it. So he said that it had been a very different game when he played with his people who were very just card text oriented versus his. The only problem I can see with it is, as far as I understand it, and I had just played it with him and then checked it out on the internet, it's a two-person only game, correct? It is. I, I'm I'm sure that you could make a good team game out of it. Uh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure if you could uh, do a free-for-all. I, I, I kind of doubt it. I didn't think you could make a free-for-all for magic either, but they've done it, so. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to? I, I, I mean, uh, one other thing I, I, I might mention is is that I decided on my trip to France that actually I might really have an affinity towards French game players and game designers. Um why is that? Uh, it's taken me a little while to connect the dots there. I'd already realized it, and Scaff had pointed it out, so with the, the Italian games designers I, I'd recognized. And he, he had recognized it with the French, French game designers. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I hadn't realized that. Um, there's a, a sense of humor, which is in a lot of them. Like the German game designs, and I love a lot of those game designs, but broadly they're very serious. And uh, they take themselves seriously, and there's not much luck. And uh, and you've got these exceptions, like Settlers of Catan, which is a brilliant game. It's got some luck. Its theme is still pretty serious, but in general, you know, the game culture there is very serious. In France and, and Italy... Not to uh, get all, you know, superior warfist on you, but I wonder if it has something to do with language. Like, if I recall correctly, the word for game in Italian is shoko which is etymologically related to our English word joke. <laughs> like I, I, wonder, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know that. I mean, there's, a, there's an inherent playfulness just in... Play. Yeah, just in That's what the, the words are related to, what other words so, yeah. to in Italian. So I wonder if it's... I mean, what is the word for game in German? Spiel. Spiel, play. 
which is play in German. Right, but it doesn't have that etymological connection with humor. With humor? Is, is, that, is that actually connected to humor in Italian, or is it connected to humor in English only? I'm not sure, but spiel doesn't really... Spiel sounds serious, doesn't it? I sometimes wonder when, you know, when cultures have a particular approach to something, how much it's influenced by the sure, words it, that they use to talk about it. Sure, it's often hard to tell. Um, but I, I, actually, I actually did get told by one uh, person who was playing King of Tokyo that they really enjoyed King of Tokyo there, but they didn't think it was going to sell in Germany because the Germans, they said, don't have this comic sense, meaning, uh, I think, uh, not humor, but like it looks like a comic book, and mm. uh, they said that was much more French. And the French have some fine, fine, fine comics. Uh, France and America would be the two best uh, comic production countries. Uh, the yellow website is www.iello.fr, and uh, there's right. a link down below, but just in case you're listening only. So if you want to check out King of Tokyo. That is www.yellow, and that is I-E-L-L-O dot, dot F-R. F-R, not dot com. A little, a little more on this uh, connection with the French player. Um, when I'm in France, I frequently get people coming up, and, and in, of course, everywhere I go, uh, people say, magic is amazing. They love magic. Is magic funny? Well, magic, magic is as funny as the designers make it. The initial release of magic probably wasn't as humorous as I would make it today um, because, well, I guess I would say I've matured as a designer, but, but it was actually humorous. Like the, the, the goblins in it were intended to be humorous. And also the effects in the game, like, like people would come to me and say, I just had my, uh, my giant invisible mammoths flying mammoths block somebody and they'd be they think that was very funny so it was intended to be like like i was very happy with the comic consequences the individual cards there weren't so many that were comic but there there was this area of comicness which uh was in uh, in the goblins mostly but uh but also sometimes in blue and we uh when i started developing sets we and, and creating sets we 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 dialed up the humor giant invisible flying mammoths was yeah. somebody watching dumbo <laughs> So, but when I'm when I'm in France, though, it's like it's amazing the number of people who come up and say, you know, Robo Rally was the best game you ever made. That was an amazing game. And Robo Rally, of course, is is very much in the same vein of humor as King of Tokyo. Um, the the robots are humorous. They're racing around. Wacky things happen. Uh, and 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 there was a game I did called Pecking Order, which had a, which I think it sold more in France than all the other countries combined. That is, is that correct. True? Yeah, is is it, we keep on getting these statements. And don't get me wrong, it didn't sell well anywhere. But but the French made that product. So when you go to France, do they give you gifts? Does this translate into like French wine? And you know, I actually did get given some wine there. Excellent. I had, I had a a, a player, uh, a, a net runner player, who lives in Paris, come down to Cannes where this conference, where this uh, game show was. He came down because he wanted to have me sign some magic card, or some sorry, some Netrunner cards. He couldn't care less about magic, um, and uh, and I played a game with him, and he he gave me some wine, and uh, and uh, yes, so so yes, I got some wine. Excellent. It's a Richard and Jerry Lewis. Yeah. No, I. <laughs> yeah, they they like Jerry Lewis too, is what I I, I hear, and awesome. me, and me. The really, yeah, cool. really, yeah. really, really funny guys like Richard and Jerry Lewis. <laughs> That's right. 
So, Richard, <clears throat> you've been doing these game glimpses, and they've really taken off. You want to tell us what gave you the idea to do them? Sure. Every week, people would ask me what I was up to, and uh, I would talk about the game that I was, I was playing, and I always had five or ten minutes worth of stuff about each game I was playing, and I thought it would be fun to sort of encapsulate that and make a podcast about it, something short, easy to do, which sort of followed my progress through games. So are they reviews? Uh, no, I, I, I wrestled a long time with the idea of putting up reviews because I, I think games reviews are something which is needed. When I pick up a new game, I'm often looking for reviews, and, and, I, and it's hard for me to find them, but it's really not the place of a game designer to review. It's a conflict of interest. So I'm never going to talk about a game that I don't think people should try. I'm never going to pan a game. Um, if you're interested in games in some sort of general sense, there's going to be something about the game I'm talking about which might interest you. So would you say then that the recommendations? I, I think everything I talk about is, for, for the student of games, everything I talk about is worth playing. But for the person that wants to have fun, maybe or maybe not. Right. Hopefully, I'll give enough uh, enough color to my feedback that you that if you're looking for fun rather than looking for uh, some insight into games, you can tell. So they're more like homework assignments. <laughs> <laughs> so what they are is a designer's insight into games that, for one reason or another, he found interesting. Right. I, I use it as a launching point for discussing games in a broader sense. So, for example. Uh, I talked about Dice Town, which is a game uh, that has some really cool mechanics, and I talk about what those mechanics are. Uh, it also has quite a bit of politics, and politics is not necessarily bad. Some players like it, uh, and some groups don't. That led me to talk about what role politics have in games in general, and so when you listen to this, you'll see what's interesting, and if your group doesn't like pol political games, you'll know not to play it. So can you give us a sneak peek as to some game glimpses that might be coming up? Yeah, I'm uh, going to be talking about Puzzle Strike next, I think. Uh, Puzzle Strike has been a, a really cool game uh, with sort of Dominion-style mechanics. By the way, I, I love Dominion, and I, I do intend to do a glimpse on Dominion uh, at some point or another. But most of the variants on it, so to speak, uh, I don't think they've surpassed Dominion, but... Uh, Puzzle Strike has some really cool things, which are, are uh, I think, have brought something to the to the genre of uh, deck building games. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us tonight, and keep an eye out for Richard's upcoming game glimpses. Thank you. You're a nice lady. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm your host, Jessica Price, saying good night. And uh, Scafulia saying good night. Good night, Richard. Me <laughs> now. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>